jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out Well, listeners, once again, we had a hearty pre-show conversation (laughs) about all manner of things. It's Oscar night as we record this, and we got out our cheers and jeers. Yeah, we are are trapped in the time machine. Yeah, we're in a time machine right now. Because we're gearing up for our actual um, Valentine's weekend where we're going to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire together. And then I'll be dead because I don't know that I can take it again. And then this episode might not ever actually be released. So we well, that's are, true. We are trapped in the vaults of time right now. So we are like a week behind from the rest of y'all uh, contemporary mortals. Yeah. So who knows what's happened in the world? <laughs> if there even is if a there, planet still. If there is a world. But our conversation ended with us waxing rhapsodic again about one Rhonda Johnson. I would like to clarify that we followed the full natural gamut of a of a Gaylord's conversation that we started out by talking about scissoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which then turned into how everyone is wrong about all movies. <laughs> which then turned into how much we love Rhonda Johnson. <laughs> Yeah, it's been, I mean, at this point, how many weeks since our killer workout episode? And honestly, I think about Rhonda daily. I've thought about Rhonda Johnson daily since we did that episode. I'm still asking for this action figure or Barbie or just some, I need a collectible to put in my glass menagerie. Okay, Laura. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So when the gentleman caller comes, <laughs> well, look at your glass call. menagerie. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna reenact that when you're here, right? Yes. We'll do our, our little Tennessee <laughs> yeah. Williams mini fest. Yeah, but um, I just I I love Rhonda Johnson, and if I am so blessed as to ever be invited back for another installment of the Women with Guts in Salem, Massachusetts. This time I'm talking about Annabelle. I don't see how the next time I couldn't talk about Rhonda Johnson and other uh, lady killers who have so much to do. Yes. Yes. They're bogged down with physical and emotional labor. (laughs) Yeah. Because like I said to you before we started recording, one point that has really stuck with me since we recorded that we did not mention on our episode is the fact that Rhonda takes the time to point out that she changed her name legally. When the detective says, you're Rhonda Johnson, formerly Valerie Johnson. And she's like, I changed my name legally. <laughs> she went down to the county clerk's office. She did. She put her wig on. She put on her pumpkin pants. <laughs> she strapped the wig to the cantaloupe, put on the pumpkin <laughs> pants. She stood in line at the town hall. And you know she scowled at everyone. Oh my gosh, she was so impatient. 
And yet she only went so far as to change her first name. The least, <laughs> the least important name. When you're trying to, like, change your identity. That's the best part that we didn't even bring up also was that she is she is changing her identity. And so she keeps her last name. So she goes from Rhonda or Valerie Johnson to Rhonda Johnson. She still has the face of the world famous next big thing in modeling. She still has the same last name. <laughs> but she changed, changed her, her first name <laughs> and got a wig and that was enough. <laughs> no one will ever know. No one will know who she is. Especially if I start killing everyone around me. No one will know my secrets. If she takes off her wig all willy-nilly in the locker room, you can't tell me she would ever get topless or headless or wigless. I guess headless, like. yes. <laughs> that's what it's called. Head, she, that's... Her head clothes. She keeps her head clothes on. <laughs> she would never do that to keep a secret. This is why I love her. She's such a yin-yang. You know what I mean? Like, so smart on the one hand, small business owner, doing the books, teaching the classes, getting angry at everybody. Yeah, she's renewing that LLC. Yeah. Takes her wig off all the time in places that could be public. Has the murder weapon on her (laughs) keychain. Kills all of her own customers. (laughs) Doesn't change her name enough, but does it legally. (laughs) Changed her name enough. (laughs) You only changed half your name, Rhonda. Yeah. Like, why didn't she just tell everybody to call her Valerie? Like, it would have saved her the $40 filing fee or whatever. She could have been like, an, a mononym. She could have, like, Angeline. <laughs> she could have just been Valerie. She could have had the billboard and everything. She's already a model. Nobody would know it was her with the same face and same name. Come on. <laughs> Rhonda Johnson, why did she literally, you're right. She took the time to stand in that permit office to file that paperwork. Yeah. And she didn't think to also change the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Changes the first name, which is the name you really have control over, right? Like if, even if I was Stacy and I was like, well, my name's Stacy, but I prefer if you call me Cornflake. Like whatever. <laughs> oh, because you're other kin. Yeah, <laughs> I'm other kin. My parents like don't kin. understand that I identify as a serial human hybrid. <laughs> they don't understand. It's an abusive household. They won't respect me and call me cornflake. <laughs> but my my friends will eventually. All my friends on Tumblr will eventually start calling me cornflake. Serial <laughs> sexual. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell, tell me about your essential vitamins and minerals. Oh god. <laughs> <sighs> Whole grains make me horny. What can I? There say? we go. Cancelled. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> anyway. I love Rhonda. I love Rhonda Johnson so much. Yeah. Such plans she made. I feel like she was just standing. She was filing that paperwork and she was writing, you know, write your last name. And she wrote, you know, she wrote Valerie Johnson. And then and, she said, and it said, write your new proposed new name that you would like to petition. 
and she writes Rhonda, and then she tries coming up with another last name, and then she gets mad because it's taking her time, so she crosses it out, and she just writes Johnson again. Yeah. She's it would have been... She doesn't have time for that. She doesn't have time for that at all. She's got to she... change the paper in her calculator. <laughs> it would have been more effective if she had changed her name to Jallery Vonson. <laughs> Or what's like the what's like the Alucard version of that? <laughs> the Carmilla bullshit. <laughs> yeah, she's actually Foods <laughs> not so good. And then he he sees the name and he holds up her business card in the mirror. And he goes, Game's up, Johnson, and her wig falls off. God bless Rhonda forever. But Great value queen. A great value queen. Uh, and, you know, but her time has passed on this show. Although, not really, because we just talked about her for ten minutes. <laughs> this is true. But- <laughs> I think her time is just beginning. <laughs> She's the new Suspiria. She is. Um, but what I mean is that today we're not talking about Killer Workout. Oh. Today we're talking about a movie. That's a strong term. Quote, unquote. <laughs> the movie. The 1985 film, Nail Gun Massacre. Oh, my And God. I guess I just have to open with asking you a question, Anthony. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Do you remember when you could sit outside and not worry about the mosquitoes and the killers? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's a line from Nailgun Massacre. <laughs> this script, that's all my notes are. This script. The, the script is incredible. The script is incredible when you can understand what people are saying. Okay, thank you. Because I have, I, I was like, that, I mean, there's no subtitles on this DVD. I'm a subtitle queen because yeah. I get stoned and then I can't pay attention to things. Also, I can't hear anything because I'm elderly. But I, I was very confused. I guess for a litany of reasons, but the sound was a big contributing force. Yeah, the sound is a huge contributing force. I watched this the only way I feel it should be watched, which is on VHS. Oh, I have I have the original Magnum release from 1987. Wow. Yeah, and it's just it deserves that kind of presentation. And also, as it says on the cover, I guess this was a tagline. It's cheaper than a chainsaw. (laughs) And I mean, that really sums up the philosophy of this film. For a second, I was really thinking the tagline is, I guess this is a tagline. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would fit also. I would not be surprised. But yes, but so I, you know, on the, it's good to know the, the, that you didn't have better luck because a lot of times this movie was filmed like in Texas. There's a lot of heavy Southern accents. And there are times when a character is just like, Sheriff. And not just that, but meanwhile, whoever is running the sound has the mic stationed next to an air conditioner that just just is going off. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the, they put the microphone in their pants and then they sit next to a running air conditioner. Yeah, and then you just hear... Yeah. <laughs> As people go... <laughs> and it's so good. Yeah. I was really... Because Anthony had not seen this. I was really excited. After your reaction to Don't Go In The Woods Alone, I thought, well, 
Just you hold on to your roller skates there, my friend. Oh, wow. My my uphill roller skates. My downhill yeah. roller skates. Right. How, how have... This, I did not realize that February would be such a life-changing month for me. And me, even though I've seen these. It's this, this, <clears throat> I feel like a, like a Carmilla Marcala. <laughs> I feel as if I am Elizabeth Bathory bathing in a pool of great value slashers. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's adding years to my life. Do I want those years? Not necessarily. But they're there now. <laughs> and you have nothing to do with it. And I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> but I have loved this great value slasher month, event, whatever, so much. God. It is, uh, it is a revelation. I will say, Nail Gun Massacre, I mean, there, well, I was going to say it's no, don't go into the woods, but actually, it kind of is, but in its completely own different terms. It is funny that you, you set them up for me, you set up this movie for me along the lines of Don't Go Into the Woods, and they are very similar in that one film has no plot and is about people walking into a forest and dying, and this film also has no plot and is about people walking into a forest and dying. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, I will say Nailgun Massacre makes Don't Go in the Woods Alone look like top-tier slasher movie. Yes, it does. It does. It absolutely Right? Does. Like, that was part... And, like, this was not the first time I've seen Nailgun Massacre, but even so, I was thinking, like, wow, this really... Don't Go in the Woods Alone is so coherent compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there's and there's still like vaguely main characters in Don't Go mm-hmm. in the Woods Alone. Right. There's still vaguely a final girl, Peter. There's no This is maybe the only movie I've ever seen where there's no protagonist. Well, I think we all know who the protagonist is. <laughs> I mean, he slash she slash they wearing that that fallout vault dweller outfit. Yeah, (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe this is the only film I've seen where the killer is the protagonist. It's very it's very um, I don't know, like trying to be because this killer, this killer, like, okay, so uh, nail gun mouth. I do I'll do this. You you got the last one. Nail. Okay, get it. Take it away. It, it's what? It's a sentence. <laughs> well, first of all, no plot. First of all, Nailgun Massacre begins with a rape scene. Yes. And I don't mean it builds up to a rape scene. I mean it starts in a rape scene. This movie is grim experiential reality. It drops you yeah. right into the action. Yeah, and it's like. I'm not a fan of rape scenes in films, but this one is so, first of all, there's like no nudity. There's no, none of that, which is nice, especially since there is nudity throughout the film. Yeah, surprisingly. The rape scene is not explicit, et cetera, et cetera. But it happens, so by the time you register the fact that this movie is opening just with a rape scene, as the rape is starting, by the time you process that, it's over. So it's not really emotionally going to affect you very much and that is saying a lot because it is a gang rape scene also yes um yes. and it's but it's not it's not the accused it is Bra- and and we should also preface like we don't really cover rape revenge on this podcast right like we've i don't we've never done one i mean the closest we would 
get is the perfection i feel yes um and even that like that was a twist in the perfection is that that is that that's what that movie's actually about yeah i'm not a fan of the subgenre and so no, i think I'm not here for it. i don't know how that colored your anticipation of the film or not when i was like it's a rape revenge movie knowing that i'm not a fan like the fact that i'd be like you gotta watch this one it's a rape revenge movie oh it's like, sick bro it's fucking sick dude it's fucking sick. um okay so it begins and then day of the nail gun day of the nail gun <laughs> <laughs> i spit on your nail gun <laughs> ow <laughs> uh so the rape happens and then we cut to um this house out in the woods there's a mother and a baby outside hanging laundry there's a disgusting hairy man inside who's angry because something his wife did yeah and you get the great shot of him coming right off the toilet pulling up his underwear and buttoning his it's just gross (laughs) yeah it's just gross (laughs) he's yelling at his wife uh the next thing you know a killer shows up wearing a camouflage jumpsuit a motorcycle helmet that is duct taped <laughs> so you can't really see the vi- inside the visor i guess and you don't know if they can see <clears throat> you don't know if they can see either. anything uh and wielding a massive pneumatic nail gun they kill the man and they say like you know oh what gave you a headache didn't it <laughs> and- <laughs> I know I sounded a little Buffalo Bill adjacent there. The point is the killer (laughs) is talking through like a vocoder. The killer is using a haunted house voice changer. Yeah. And then we have the credit sequence. It immediately cuts to the credit sequence. It's the worst credit sequence I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, it's bad. It's just text of like the title of the film and the director, et cetera, et cetera. While there's no music, it's just the killer's vocodered voice going, It's unbelievable. The killer's voice is the best part of this movie. So from there, Nailgun Massacre immediately falls into a pattern, which is people that you don't want to watch have sex, have sex. Um, sometimes there's a really long setup before they have sex. Yeah. Sometimes there's not a long setup. You don't know anybody's names. Nope. Um, there's usually bare breasts or bare bottoms on display. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there will be a slow zoom. On the woman's breasts until they fill the entire screen. Yep. Uh, then the killer arrives in their golden mustard-colored hearse. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're cool. Because they're cool. They show up with their nail gun. The nail gun goes pew, pew, pew. And then the person who got shot goes, oh. Uh. Oh, no. And then fall, no. Slows, slowly falls down. Falls down. The killer gives a cool line with that vocoder voice, like, don't you just hate it when you get nailed? <laughs> or something. Don't you they'll just actually... hate it when you get nailed? <laughs> yeah. They'll actually give, like, five of those. Like, one would suffice. 
No, he just. But they'll be talking. like, "Don't you just hate, don't you just hate it when you get nailed? Doesn't <laughs> it give you a splitting headache?" My favorite is when he goes up to the person and and tap tap tap, and then the person is peeing, and then the guy turns around, just still holding his dick and still peeing on the killer, and yeah. then tap nail nail, and then he goes, "Well, you just pissed me off. I bet this will stop that leak." <laughs> <laughs> yeah after the people have died the, the killer continues to give lines <laughs> and then finally leaves then the sheriff shows up and is completely perplexed by everything <laughs> then the doctor shows up usually in a tank top or a jean jacket yeah lots driving of denim. lots of denim driving a camaro uh the doctor says this person died hours ago they suspect that it's old lady bailey <laughs> Who we never see. That's what I was like. Is that supposed to be the mom in the beginning that was like, Bobby Joe, get yourself out of that box, girl. Like, is that old lady? This is a mystery. Who is old lady Bailey? I kept rewinding it. We don't know who old lady Bailey is. (laughs) We never see her. We never hear from her. And eventually they just stop suspecting her. Because they finally figure out, like, oh, this woman who was raped... By a gang of construction workers. It's all construction workers, mostly, who have died. And the doctor says, no, no, it can't be Linda, the rape victim. Mm -hmm. I treated her after the rape. And I quote, she has never shown any mental disorders that would push her mind into a state of killing. (laughs) So it couldn't be her. He went to doctor school. He went to doctor school. Um, and then so eventually the doctor goes and confronts Linda and she says, I don't, he says, where's your brother Bubba? She says, I don't know. He drove off in that hearse of his. <laughs> There's a, a really exciting chase at oh the gravel God. pit. In a, in a gravel dune. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba ends up dead. Bubba was the killer or was he? Or was he? Because as the sheriffs, when the doctor says the killings are over, the sheriff says, is it? Is it over? (laughs) Even though he has no reason to doubt it. (laughs) He questions it. And then Linda picks up the helmet and walks off into the sunset, literally, hand in hand with the doctor for some reason. Holding hands with the doctor. It's like, and like against the sunset, it's very like uncharacteristically romantic or sentimental. Yes. And it's a, the Bubba reveal is a twist, not only because it's, you know, the killer says like, I'm here for revenge every time she kills someone. Also, every time they show the killer, it's clearly a woman. It's like the killer is small, like petite. Small and has a shapely hourglass figure. Yeah. So I honestly, I was surprised by that twist. Because Because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And because I wanted it to be Linda. Well, I'm wondering, now this is me reading too much into it, because the, the film just cries ineptitude. Well. Front, front to back, top to bottom. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's probably just a twist. But I say to myself, was Linda really the killer the whole time? And Bubba was covering for her at the end. Oh. Because he loved his sister. I mean, you know, I did think when she was, and when the sheriff did say, is it, is it over? And then Linda contemplated that helmet. 
Right. That the way she looked at that helmet really did say, like seem to suggest that if if she wasn't the killer, she was going to be picking up the legacy of that. Yes. That helmet fallout vault dweller outfit. Yeah. And that pneumatic nail gun. So that's that's pretty much the plot. Yeah. Um but this film does have so much to offer. Oh, it's beautiful. It, it features again the eighties manic comedy bang Joe for a scene that is a car and a motorcycle slowly driving. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it has that manic banjo. Well, and it was um there is a Dukes of Hazard energy because the director, Terry Lofton, I learned um in my research on Google after the film that he was a stuntman on Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. So he was bringing some hazard energy, man, to this film. I mean, also, it's just that the soundtrack is all over the place in this movie. It's so, and, oh my god, it's so, the, okay, the soundtrack, that great scene, um, great is a strong <laughs> word, but when they're like, ha- the couple, like, like the, yeah. they go to the yeah, Dairy Queen, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Which, yeah. does Dairy Queen even know they have product placement in this movie? First of all, the Dairy Queen. <laughs> There's a long shot of the sign outside the Dairy Queen that says grilled cheese and fries, $1.19. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's really cheap. Wow, what a time 1985 was. The characters pull in and the man mentions... That he went there because they have a great deal. You could get grilled cheese and fries for only a dollar nineteen. Hey, that's why I go to get deals too. And I was like, wow, they just referenced that sign. And then the waitress comes over and there's a whole thing and he says, I want that grilled cheese deal for a dollar nineteen. They mention it again. <laughs> then they get the food. He's eating a hamburger. <laughs> which, which which is made very apparent because he doesn't know how to hold his hamburger and all of the hamburger contents fall out onto his lap. Yes. Which the woman next to him, obviously the woman has to do all the work, so she has to pick up the hamburger bits from his lap because he doesn't know how to. He literally looks at, it's one of those like, thanks Obama commercials where he just like, (laughs) his hamburger spills everywhere and he's like, what do I do now? Yeah, he might as well be that little boy eating the cookie with the cookie monster and the chocolates all over his face. And he's, I don't know how. So this is this was an example, though, of the long setup to get to a sex scene. We don't know who these characters are. They don't have names. They just come in out of nowhere. And yet they have this lengthy scene at the Dairy Queen. And there's this whole thing about the grilled cheese and fries. And, and none the waitress, of it means anything. The waitress knows him and she's saying something to him. But then she also keeps going back to the woman in the window who's giving her the food. <laughs> and they keep saying something about him. But the audio is so bad that I have no idea what they were saying. But yeah. there was something going on. Yeah. And it, all of this to get to the sex scene that you're going to talk about, which is incredible. Literally. And this is all set up for the sex scene. And I did love the woman, the waitress being like, well, you piece of shit. What do you want to eat? And then she goes back to the woman in the window and is like, this guy's a dick. And then she goes back to the guy and she's like, here's your food. And then she goes back to the woman in the window <laughs> and the woman in the window is like, is that guy a dick? Like, it's so weird. So then <laughs> cut to, uh, cut to... It's now nighttime and they're out having sex on their car. And the soundtrack is incredible because this this fucking 
I mean, if you've heard good music in a movie, then you know, <laughs> you know the kind of anthem that they're listening to in this film. I mean, Killer Workout has the, the literally amazing soundtrack, and Killer Workout has nothing on this song, which sounds like it was composed by the killer's vocoder, because it's just like, <laughs> it's so weird. And then they're they're making out in the car, making out, being gross and and naked, and then the um. And then the uh, the, ra- the DJ comes on the radio and says, like, listen to the radio, blah, 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 commercial, commercial. And then they're like, now put it on another tune. And then they just put back on the same song that they were listening to before. <laughs> the radio station just plays the same song twice in a row. And I was like, well, was that a break in the middle of the song and the DJ just had to make an announcement? No, because the song ended and then the DJ says, listen to our radio station, hot tunes, and then puts the same song back on. <laughs> And I said to myself, am I, did I smoke more of that than I thought I did? And then I rewound it. And it, it, this is, it's not, it's not a Christopher Nolan movie. It's just repeating itself. It's just, they just, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like them going to the the grilled cheese and fries place to get Dairy Queen burgers. What is happening? Yeah. Well, the reason why those two people had to go have sex on their car hood is because they tried to have sex in the car and it just didn't work because he has like a little tiny two seater convertible. Yeah. Oh, you're right. And they tried they tried to have sex and it's fun to watch these two people try to make it work in such a small space and you can't tell if it's inept or going to be a plot point, but the actors are laughing. Because they just can't get into a position where they can actually have sex. However, halfway through this, the car starts bouncing up and down as if they're having sex. And you can (laughs) see the shadow of the person at the hood pushing the car up and down. (laughs) While these two are trying to find a sex position. Then the bouncing stops and then they say, let's get out of the car and have sex on the hood. It's like they were filming it in real time. As they were figuring out what did and didn't work. Yes. The director even said, I watched uh, on the DVD, there's like a a retrospective with the director who seems like a funny, sweet Texan guy, whatever. And uh, he he's talking about how they originally had an 80 page script and then it got cut down to 20 pages, which really explains (laughs) so much. And they just he, he was like, and so a lot of people talk about how inept it is or the bad acting, but that's not the actor's fault. That's on me. And I was like, I love you, sir. So I think they really were just figuring it out as they were going. And he said there was a lot of ad libbing. And I mean, that 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 amazing progression from from grilled cheese and fries to Dairy Queen Burger to what the fuck are these people saying and what's their history to having sex in the in the convertible to it not working to then having sex on top of the convertible then is followed up by the killer showing up. And the killer says, spread them! And so the man spreads his legs and you think we're going to get a nail gun into the into the unremarkables. Yeah. But and then what what it looks like what happens it looks like he then gets shot in the elbow with the nail gun which yes which kills him and we know it kills him because the woman immediately runs up to his body and says you killed him <laughs> yeah he gets shot in the elbow and instantly dies <laughs> after the killer says spread him and then he gets shot yeah. in the elbow and dies immediately <laughs> yeah yeah well this movie 
you know, like your director's comments, this movie more than probably any other really strikes me as like a local hometown production. Yes. Yeah. And that's what the, you know what I mean? that's what director said. He said, okay, listen, making movies is hard. You got to have like a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Everybody behind the camera wore a lot of hats. Yes. You know, they are listed under a lot of things. And there's the most amazing scene, which the first time I saw this movie the scene that absolutely won my heart forever and ever is, of course, the scene in the grocery store. Oh. Where there are some kids and they're checking out and there's a, an old woman behind the counter. I love and her. She's picking up items and putting them in the box. And as she picks up the items, like a can of soup or whatever, she'll be like, 109, <laughs> 150. <laughs> One, like, so this bitch is a fucking math genius. She's adding all of this in her head. She is her own calculator with paper. She is her own calculator with paper. She's not using the cash register to ring any of this up. Eventually, she stops even looking at the items, and she just puts everything in the box. She says, remember when you could sit outside and not worry about the mosquitoes and the killers? <laughs> and she's clearly... Everything she says, she's staring at the counter behind the box. She's clearly reading the script. Yes. And when they pick up the box and leave, you see that, in fact, there is a script laying there. And she t- <laughs> she looks at the camera as if to say, are we done here? And then she looks back at her script and turns a page. <laughs> as if to know if there was more than she was supposed to do. Yeah, And the director won't tell her. Well, fun fact is that the actress who was supposed to play that role didn't show up. And so that's the director's grandmother. And she actually worked at that store. Oh, my God. I was just going to say, was she like the grandma or something? Mm-hmm. This is a fam. This this movie brought family together. It's just full of people who are not professional actors. Some of them try really hard. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like some of them aren't really trying at all and it's really funny. Yeah. But then you see some that just like, uh, like tug on your heart because they are really trying to act They're like the trying. biker woman who oh, for yes. some reason we are subjected to a full minute of the camera just on her in close up and her going, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> He's supposed to be back. <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> I'm gonna die. Meryl Streep's understudy. It's a full minute. Like any other director would have used a small piece of that, but this director used the entire yeah, just thing one, that they shot. One line would suffice, man. One line would suffice. But she gets a full minute. And you know what? She is really trying to act, and it's really endearing, and I love it. I love it. I, I love... um. The yeah, endearing is the right word. The director said in the thing that a lot of the actors came from local acting schools in Texas where they filmed it. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's a lot where it's clearly like grandma, where it's just family. Like yes. <laughs> the scene. But and also this while this is a rape revenge film, the killer is kind of not necessarily just killing the six construction workers. No. That were involved in the gang rape. It, the killer's just killing anybody that seems to be in this town. <laughs> and I mean, maybe she did have a mental disorder that would push her mind into a state of killing. Maybe she did. That sounds like doctor science. Yeah, <laughs> because 
she did just start killing anybody for no reason. Yeah, that show that shows many disturbing personality traits. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you could be. I think you could be right, Stacy. <laughs> Add that to the chart. <laughs> Cut print, or the zoom. computer. Yeah, the computer where every key on the keyboard beeps. <laughs> yep. Boop. <laughs> So when you type, it's like beep boop 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 It's like that's gonna push my mind into a state of killing. That's the computer this movie was written on. Yeah. So people people are just indiscriminately being killed left and right because this is the don't go in the woods of don't go into this Texas town or this forested area or this construction site <laughs> or out front of this hardware store where um like just some random woman like I did I miss the death scene when they find the woman by that fence by the like creek? no they, they just they just find her. they just find a woman who is dead there that has been nail gunned and at this point this is early on to the movie, so we've only seen men who we can surmise were involved in the gang rape at the opening, right. at the onset of the film. We, like, like, um, like we see, uh, we see, you know, that one of the first scenes is this couple and they're having sex, and 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 the guy leaves because, um, the woman says, "You mean you'd rather cut wood than play with these?" Referencing, of course, her her boobies, and then the, and then he says, "Well, I told Brad I'd help him cut wood today." So then he has to go help Brad cut wood, and they go up to a, a forest, and then a guy, and then they're like, "Oh, they say, look, there's a tree over there in a forest full of trees." They find the appropriate tree, but then they get then they get murdered with the nail gun and you you say oh they were two of the men that were just featured in this brutal rape sequence okay i understand it however then it cuts to just a dead woman in front of a fence yeah and she has nails sticking out of her and the guy goes well she she must have died the same way as the others because she has nails sticking out of her just (laughs) like the rest of them that's what doc says with his doctor science but then we also get that that I love that that weird old like hick man who must have been grandpa if that was grandma in the other scene. Yeah. And you get this hick that's just argumentative that the doctor and the sheriff get a phone call that there's another killing and so they just run and the hick is just going, "Hey deputies, what about her? Come on back and get this stuff." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has a whole conversation with them off screen. There they have left the shot and they're just like, "Oh no." well she's not going anywhere we'll be back (laughs) they just leave the dead woman there with with grandpa who's like wait am i still supposed to ad lib and keep talking to them even though they're not even in this scene anymore (laughs) it's incredible yeah she does end up killing just anybody there's she kills the two girls at the end for no reason yeah they're just there they're just there and she kills them it it's funny that you mentioned the accused because I'm like, wow, Nailgun Massacre really did predate the accused, though, and was really informative for that because one of the men that she goes to kill insists that all he did was watch the rape. He didn't actually rape oh. her, and therefore she shouldn't kill him. Oh, and it's yeah. like that's what the accused was all about. It was about prosecuting everybody who stood around at that gang rape and didn't actually do any of the physical all of those men in that movie were prosecuted. And here's Nailgun Massacre with a man insisting that he shouldn't be killed because all he did was watch. He didn't actually rape her. Mm-hmm. But she kills him anyway. Asking hard questions about complicity so, and, and lawyer science. 
Exactly. That's lawyer science. And, you know, Jodie Foster won an Oscar for her role in The Accused. Well, do you think Jodie Foster saw this film and then she said... This is what I'm saying. She it's said, like, I'm going to make that movie. Has she cited Nilgo Massacre? I've got it. It's a... <laughs> when she accepted her Oscar. She, yeah, I'd she's like, like I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank the Nilgo Massacre. I'd like to thank Nilgo Massacre. Yes, she, she's a big girl. She, wow. <laughs> Wow! Trying to win. Wow! <laughs> she gives her speech through a vocoder. Yeah, and then she goes, "I should make another movie with Mel Gibson." I think. Yeah. I think I know he's he's racist, but he's my friend. He's my friend. I gave him a puppet. People won't remember that he's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> that nail gun was so heavy. <laughs> so heavy. We're so heavy. <laughs> And then everyone at the Academy Awards is like, "Can you like, play the, the fuck? Can you play the music?" Like, <laughs> so give Billy Crystal the vaudeville cane. What is happening right now? They're like, she really needs to come out of the closet. You know, she is just going crazy. In there. I will say, actually, that was her coming out speech, though, that she gave at Pretty the much. awards <laughs> show. That was verbatim. <laughs> I might be gay, but if I was, I wasn't, but I could be if, if I... I... I could be. <laughs> I could be. Being gay is so heavy. I'm like Rosie O'Donnell, but without the cush balls. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> and that's much like Nail Gun Massacre. Exactly. It's just... <laughs> It's nice as you're watching this movie and you say to yourself, I don't know who anybody is. Because then the credits roll and you see that characters are named, for example, rapist. Or they're named number one girl victim. Or, or number two girl victim. Or Helen Gertzlenstein. Like, some yeah. of them have very specific names. <laughs> yeah. And then other are like, man in alley. <laughs> yeah. Girl. Yeah. So you don't feel too bad. But I, I feel like this movie, if you want to know, like, what kind of tone does, like, what are the aesthetics of Nailgun Massacre? What's the tone? What's the filmmaking craft all about? It's summed up in the mm, end credits mm, mm, mm. with the usual disclaimer that you get on a film. Right? Mm-hmm. You know the one. Mm-hmm, Characters mm-hmm. living or dead, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. In Nailgun Massacre, that disclaimer says... Any similarities between people and places in this film are purely accidental. <laughs> between people and places? <laughs> <laughs> all the nouns in this film are coincidental. <laughs> They're all accidental. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, any similarities between people living or dead? Like, you know, like, that's the usual. Like, between they couldn't even copy places. the disclaimer and put it into the credits. I did confuse that woman for that tree. So, yeah, you know what? As an audience member, as an audience member, when I watched this, I was like, wait a minute. Did they base that gravel pit on me and my life story? <laughs> if they did, I should call a lawyer. And then I saw the disclaimer. I'm like, oh, it's purely accidental. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's how that's Hollywood for you. That's how they get away with that. Mm-hmm. It's no good. Good for nothings. Making off with yeah, your life I rights. S- I saw that golden mustard hearse and I was like, wow, there's my grandmother's life story <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> However, if you 
<laughs> if you have Rami Malek play that gravel pit, you know he's going to win that Oscar. <laughs> win that Oscar. Renee Zellweger, role of a lifetime. <laughs> Renee Zellweger as Golden Mustard Hearse in... <laughs> honk, honk. Ooh. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Oh, drive car. Oh, honk. Renee Zellweger is Hearse Hearse Nailgun Massacre Perfect movie I mean Wow What did I have so many questions Like why does the killer (laughs) I do like, I mean, the killer is pretty formative in terms of, like, just doing the the endless one-liners. Sure. Um, but I love when the killer, okay, there's that sequence, first off, who fights with the, who fights with nail guns like it's, like it's paintball? I know. There's a whole sequence, which the director later informed me personally in his special feature, which is titled Nailed, um, that... He was inspired for the film because he saw two guys, two friends at a construction site fighting with nail guns, just like they're playing paintball. So men that's a real thing. Things. Men do weird things. They do I mean, look at weird look at Jackass, and you know they'll be like, "Oh, put this fifty pound weight on my ball." Yeah, tape my dick to my face and then staple yeah. it on my butt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So weird. So, it's so weird. He said, he said, I was watching my friends fight with a nail gun, and I said, that could be a way to kill somebody. And so he made the movie, and he did. I like that, you know, life and life becomes art, and art becomes life. So he he featured that scene of the, the paintball-esque fight, but between two construction workers fighting each other with nail guns. And they're literally just shooting nail gun nails everywhere. Mm-hmm. It looks extremely unsafe. Uh, the, yes. the killer shows up, the killer nails them to to boards in this b- house that's being constructed. They have both passed away. They are dead, um, which is funny because at one point, Doc makes a point about how um, the nail gun isn't wouldn't be fatal and it would cause a really slow death where people would just bleed out. Right. But, unless you get shot in the elbow. Unless you get shot which in is... the elbow, then you die instantly. Yeah. <laughs> You killed him! <laughs> but, like... <laughs> so everybody, even though we're supposed to infer that they're all supposed to die slowly and it's a painful revenge killing, they all die instantly. So these these two men are corpses at this point, and the killer lifts up her, his hand, their hand, and waves and goes, Bye-bye! <laughs> and then walks away. <laughs> ho, 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 ho! <laughs> like, what... <laughs> What is happening? Yeah. Um. What does the line "I'm as horny as a rooster in a Chinese hen house" mean? <laughs> I've never heard that. It's I'm maybe that's a Texas thing, and it's just like a old boy Americana racist Texas thing. I don't know. Yeah. But that also gave me pause. Also, one of the more intriguing death scenes in the movie, because it really is just the killer shows up and just shoots nails vaguely at somebody's direction, and, and enough so until they're dead. But there is a great sequence in which a man goes out to a barbecue, 
and <laughs> and the killer fucking in in the vault dweller outfit in this like camo jumper and the duct taped motorcycle helmet and the giant nail gun pneumatic pack with the with the pneumatic hose thing bursts forth from underneath a pool from under the surface of the water (laughs) (laughs) and fires countless like uzi action nail guns into the man the man falls onto the barbecue and it looks really very painful and uncomfortable like you can almost you see him laying there as this thing is like smoking on his stomach and you see his head look up and he looks up at the camera after a while like have i been laying on this hot barbecue long enough (laughs) how long was that killer hanging out in the pool right under the water it's like when the when the two girls get killed at the end it's two girls who have run out of gas in their car they walk for a really long time down a dirt road and come across a house with a, a collapsing barn and they knock on the door and no one answers. So they say, maybe we could go over to that barn and the killer pops out and kills them. Yeah. And so it's like, what was the killer doing there? Yeah, what was, what? <laughs> In the barn, just hoping somebody would come by to kill? Yeah. Just so many questions. A litany of questions. Oh, yeah. Is what, what, what I am left with. Sure. Yeah. This movie has erotic Ritz cracker eating. <laughs> this movie has <laughs> anxious Ritz cracker eating. Yes. Yes, she does. It's so good. I be... Uh, so, buyer beware. I mean, I know people watch Don't Go in the Woods Alone because we did the episode on it. And I say, good job. Nail Gun Massacre? I don't know. <laughs> I-, I was excited for Anthony to see it. I'm <laughs> having a b- time of my life talking about it. I loved watching it again. Uh, boy, oh boy. It's awful. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> I really, but man, I really that grandma it. scene though. Grandma. That grandma scene. One oh nine. One oh nine. That bitch is fucking Rain Man. Just added all that shit up in her head. She doesn't even have to look at the products. Eventually, she knows how much they are, and then she's like, "That's nineteen dollars and sixty cents." God, how? Just how? It's, it's. I have so many questions. I can't get over how many questions I have. Like, how do you make? How do you make these sex scenes so unsexy? What is that shot before the woman gets nailed to the tree? And it's just this, just the camera just walking up, slowly walking up to this couple. She's against the tree and you just see this guy and his back hair and his butt. And it's just, he just, the director was like, just gyrate, just gyrate that booty. Just gyrate that booty. (laughs) And he just gyrates his butt for like two minutes. It's enough. Two minutes. to To make one's genitals disappear into a wormhole yeah yeah and then like you see this and you say i have no interest in flesh on flesh contact ever ever again again. and your genitals fly out the window (laughs) to a better life (laughs) well and then and then this is one of those movies that has the rare male full frontal where they get they get nail gunned gunned and then and then he falls over dead and full on penis shot right there. And then she falls onto the penis. Yeah. And it's still, I'm still saying, well, it's not like pieces. I'm not going to rewind it. 
It's just so <laughs> weird. It's such a masterfully bizarre little movie that that goes into deep philosophical territory every now and then. It really does. I believe it was the sheriff that asked the question, why is it that everybody winds up dead? Indeed. And I said to myself, isn't that the great question yeah. that we all find ourselves asking every day? I mean, don't you remember when you could sit outside and not worry about the mosquitoes and the killers? <laughs> isn't that just a statement about this world today? And yet the same person that wrote those gems also wrote, look, there's a tree over there. <laughs> <laughs> They're standing in a forest. <laughs> God, I love Nail Gun Massacre. What a piece of shit. Yeah. It really is. Oh. Perf- perfect video movie. I'm telling you, we are nearing the end of Great Value Slashers, and it's kind of bumming me out. It's bumming me out because our, well, we were approaching, here's, okay, listeners, chime in on this Great Value Slashers. Because while we'll probably mix it up, our list of potential Great Value Slashers goes on and on and on. It is legion. It is legion. There are so many. So we could continue down this path with maybe some detours now and then. When we really feel like talking about something else. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, next week is our final Great Value Slasher. As was scheduled, but if you if you cause enough scheduled. of a hubbub about it, then maybe we could change our yeah. mind. What do you want? Because, I mean, I could talk about anything all day long. So, <laughs> what do you, but what do you want to hear? Right? This is dumb. You laugh at that? It is, I mean... <laughs> It's true, No right? comment. You know. <laughs> I mean, we talked about scissoring for like three hours before that. <laughs> it's true. I am guilty as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what do you want to hear? Let us know. We're on Facebook at Gaylords of Darkness, Instagram at Gaylords of Darkness, Twitter at Gaylords of D. You can chime in and say, continue. Or, eh, what if you talked about something that wasn't a slasher? What if? Because we have a list of other things yeah. we want to talk about. Obviously. Yeah, do you want to return to eye horror or app-based horror, for example? Right. Or do you want us to keep on keeping on down this train? Not to say Great Value Slashers, if it concludes next week, after next week, that it's not coming back. Because I think, like we said, we have Legion. Yeah, we'll be peppering them in. Yeah. But it would be more like our pre-Great... I mean, we do do themes every once in a while. But... It's just this theme got the best of us. Yeah, because I just, it's just making me real happy. But, so but then horror movies have been making me real happy. So whatever, man. So let us know. Let us know. You know where to find us. Let us know. And keep on sending those questions. Exactly. Speaking of, do we have a listener question today, Stacey? Yep. <laughs> the question comes from Kaiju Groupie. Oh. Who asks... Remember when you could sit outside <laughs> and not worry about the mosquitoes and the killers? <laughs> well, no, actually, Kaiju Groupie asked, what are the best horror movies to watch with friends who, quote, aren't really into horror? Hmm. <laughs> Why are you friends with these people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is the question I would like to ask yeah. back in, in return. Are you really friends? Yeah. Are they people? Know. 
Are they even people? Are you a person? Are you a person? Are any of us here? Is it over? <laughs> is it? Why is it that everybody winds up dead? <laughs> this movie uh, me. Well, this one, I mean, here's the thing, is that I feel like I would have to ask some follow-up questions to this. Yeah. Why... Why aren't they really into horror? Is it because they don't like explicit violence? Is it because they get scared and they have nightmares? Is it mm -hmm. just because they're a jerk? Is it because they just think Who it's knows? gay? It's faggy? They think it's faggy. <laughs> uh, they think it's only misogynist. Like, you know, why are the reasons they're oh. not into horror? Yeah, like if someone is like, well, I'm not going to watch it because it's just a bunch of women getting, like, um, what, what was it the director of Love Witch said? It's just women getting chainsawed, being chased with chainsaws. Then, right. then, then like, it'd be like, well, I have a great movie called uh, Suspiria for you. Yeah, you could watch any movie besides Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you could also do that, director of which. <laughs> Just saying. But, um, I, so I tried to approach it as assuming that they don't like super violent stuff. And they don't like to be super scared. Yeah. Okay. I do have friends who aren't really into horror movies. I ask them to watch things with me anyway. And because I'm an asshole who shouldn't really even have friends, <laughs> I'm like, let's watch Martyrs. <laughs> you know? like I've done that to like four different people. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible. That's I'm really terrible. What did you and I'm do? Like, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be fine. And then they'll be like, I didn't sleep for two weeks. And I'll be like... You'll get over it's it. A it's a poem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's so beautiful. <laughs> they cut uh, off her skin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not that violent. <laughs> it's a love so, story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a queer love story. Don't you get it? So I tried to approach it basically not as myself, <laughs> I guess. But as a, a silicone imposter. Yeah. as a silicone imposter of a person who should have friends um <laughs> basically so just you know better not self. my better self the, the person i'd like to be <laughs> the person i'm working towards being uh, no uh. but you know it's a nice pipe dream um so movies that aren't too violent and aren't too scary right yeah um there's some old standbys that I know. I talk about them all the time. But fuck you. Watch them then. And I won't have to talk about yeah. them anymore. Creep show. Oh. I did show creep show to my friends who don't like horror movies. And they loved it. Yeah. Right? Creep show. You could, if you wanted to do something good. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Right? You could do Rosemary's Baby. Um... I say go for some Grand Dame Guignol. Oh, yeah. Uh, whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. Or my personal favorite, Straight Jacket, starring Joan Crawford. Man, which must be argued has an amazing, like, horror sequence in the beginning, but then it's complete melodrama after that. Not complaining. Yes. Not complaining about yes. that. It's great. Absolutely love that movie so much. It's so much fun. Joan Crawford really goes for broke. Yes, she does. Um, and it stars also Diane Baker as her daughter. Diane Baker, as you know, is the senator from Silence of the Lambs. I love your suit. 
the one with the nice suit. Man, what a fucking babe she is in straight jacket, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Hacha cha. Wow. Uh, straight jacket, I love it. So anything along those lines, um, let's scare Jessica to death. <gasps> oh, yeah. Something that, you know, like a good thing that'll make them think about whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a smart way of putting it. <laughs> any that's enough for me your turn this one was tough for me because i just don't care because i just show people whatever um well yeah 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 uh because i'm 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 of the attitude that well one if you think you don't like horror movies you're wrong I mean, a lot of people, you know, have have those the genuine issues of like, like a trauma or or they can't do the violence or they don't like being scared. So sure. However, I think if you watch anything, uh, the right thing, really, I guess, with an audience in like particularly a movie theater or in a party setting at home video, you know, anything can be a joy uh, and can be a great experience like the movie Pieces. <laughs> it's I mean, it's fucking wild. It's asking a lot of someone, especially if they don't like things that are, I don't know, misogynist or bloody or don't make any sense. But I think pieces, if you get the right crew together and have enough people with said person that doesn't like horror movies, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this stupid shit you're watching? And then the infectious laughter is going to override their feelings. And then they're going to have a great time. So I think pieces is Mm. a good one. I think, actually, I would skew... I was skewing more towards like horror comedy. Um, mm-hmm. So I think what we do in the shadows is a great, 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 great thing uh, that can mm-hmm. be like a gateway drug into horror. Cause there's like, you know, there's lots of horror vocabulary in it, but it's a silly, um, uh, you know, mockumentary movie. It's great. I love it. Um, Shaun of the dead is another, mm-hmm. oh, another yeah. great gateway yep. horror because it's so funny. It's so stylish. Who hasn't seen it? And it also yeah. has, like, wicked fucking gore. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a great zombie film. So I'm, I'm definitely thinking those. Uh, I'm going with one. Uh, it's probably a film you've never heard of. It's called Suspiria. Oh, oh. Because it is so good. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. And I think yeah. that's the kind of movie where if you want to show people... that, So then going off of, like horror comedy and giving them something just really accessible that they can laugh at i think maybe trying to show them that horror can be really smart right here's the potential in the genre that you're missing yeah out on yeah because you paint all of it you painting suspiria with the same brush that you paint uh you know blood-sucking freaks with <laughs> exactly so it's like well let's sit them down and show them a movie that you know you've never heard of called get out uh, maybe, I mean, get get out's not on my list because everyone's seen it. But, um, but I think Suspiria is like it's you know, it's so smart, it's so intelligent, it's so thoughtful. It has, and I think it's more accessible for people that don't like horror because the really what I what I always tell people is like, well, like like I was I was sitting with um a friend talking to her about Suspiria and how she should see it, and she's like, oh, but I just don't like. I don't like really over the top gore or, and I was like, well, there's one sequence that's really challenging, but otherwise it's a really beautiful piece about politics and fascism and dance and art. And, um, so I, I think that's a good one. I think, I think in a similar way, um, both of Ari Aster's films, Midsummer and Hereditary are really accessible for non-horror audiences. 
uh, and I've hereditary. Yeah, really? yeah. I've met so many people it, just from working at the movie theater. I've met so many people that don't go to horror movies and that always say, "I can't." watch scary movies and i'm not going to watch anything gory but then they tell me how much they loved hereditary because people experience that as more of like a prestige picture because of how it's made because of tony collette um because there is so much about like the uh the character's psychology in it that for Hmm. some reason i think like the classiness of it makes it more accessible to people so like my friend that was like oh i can't watch anything when i was saying you need to watch suspiria and she's like i can't watch anything that's like really scary or gory i was like well did you see Midsummer or Hereditary? And she goes, oh, yeah, I love those. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then you could absolutely do Suspiria. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I think I think Hereditary is fucked up and terrifying. I also think it's really funny. But, like, uh, I think, I just think there there's something about those two movies in particular that are just really a lot more accessible for being as mm-hmm. bona fide horror as they are. I think there's just yeah. something about them and something about the quality of their filmmaking and what this, that it's really, it's really easy to understand that the movies are saying something else than just mm. being like, bah, 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 kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then there's the classics too. Like obviously uh, sit down and watch old dark house, see where Rocky horror came from. Mm. Um, sit down and watch Alien because who doesn't love Alien and who doesn't love Sigourney mm. motherfucking Weaver and also you know yeah. a lot of people don't think of this as a horror movie because they think sci-fi but guess what genres overlap Um, and I love your suggestion of Rosemary's Baby so to that end I would also add uh, The Stepford Wives another Ira Levin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it is funny it is so so terrifyingly still relevant. How the fuck is it still so relevant? Um, and mm-hmm. it is, it's sad and it, and it has an amazing female friendship at its core that you can't help but like love and feel giddy about. And that just makes the horror that much more tactile when you, as you watch it unfold. Um, and that was when, when we did the screening of that, where people were leaving after we did it at queer horror and people were like, one, how have I never seen that movie? Or two, how was it so good? Because they're used, there's this idea that horror movies aren't good or can't say things. Right. And I think all of those movies, but especially pieces really do that. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I would, I would go a little bit funny and classy. And then once, you know, once they have become sufficiently Stockholm, then it's like, then I put them in the clockwork orange chair, we get out the eye forceps, and then it's, it's don't go in the woods and nail gun massacre on loop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, neither one of us deserve to have any friends. No, we're awful people. We're terrible people. I mean, that's okay. We're the nail gun massacre of people. (laughs) Oh my god. We are. <laughs> but I mean, listen, any similarities between people and places on this podcast are purely accidental. Purely accidental. <laughs> that Dairy Queen was based on me. <laughs> oh well, um, I guess that's it for this episode. We'll be back with one more greatest value slasher, unless you say different. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Tune in next week. Oh, wow. What a cliffhanger. And find out. 
and <laughs> I wish I wish we were the radio station that we could just play the podcast over again. <laughs> just repeat it. Yeah. Instead of the end, the outro, it just It just repeats. <laughs> repeats. Oh my god. Why is this episode three hours long? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time! Ha, ha, ha.